So I tell you hit record and then you slam everything around your desk and make noise. Yes, exactly. That's what I do because, you know, that's what I have to do. It, it is a good start. It's a great start to a good podcast. I mean, that's like you were warned and you were like, oh, no, you're going to distract us and knock talk about the book this week. And then well, you're immediately no. shuffling papers I, and slamming stuff around your well, desk and I not figured. doing anything that has anything to do with the podcast. No, no, I was doing a bunch of stuff that had to pertain to the podcast. My whole thing was I asked the question, are we going to actually record this podcast or are we going to talk about everything in the world around the podcast for 50 minutes? Yes, and I've then got a fantastic lineup here for 50 I've minutes got, and then talk about the book. I've got Carmen San Diego in the middle. OK, yes. Yeah, she's ready to go. She said uh, the, the costume is beautiful and the fit is perfect. Yes. Now we know where in the world she is. She doesn't have the hat on. That's not Carmen Sandiego. You're a liar. Liar. Okay. Well, liar. (laughs) I'm going to break that. I'm going to go into your house. It's going to get broken. Can't. I actually, I can. Nope. Baba won't let you. (laughs) Really? Yeah. Baba, I'm sure Baba loves that thing. She does. She can't hear it. It's in the register of noises she can't hear at the moment. <laughs> well, anyway, um, we're on chapter two <laughs> yes. of Giant Size X-Men number one. Number one! We're chapter the two. first appearance of Ileana Rasputin, which makes this comic very valuable. Yes. Uncredited. Uncredited little girl in the field getting about run over and, by a tractor. And we had a, a classic... Uh, uh, start of a maxi series in the 80s, except mm-hmm. this is in the 70s, where the person goes up and gathers all of the heroes to join their team. Yeah. But this isn't a maxi series. It's a one shot. Yes. That turns into a really long series. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. To... <laughs> There's and, no way to explain it. <laughs> and, and, and they were clearly like, as we discussed on last week's episode, which came out on New Year's. New Year's. Yes. Because deadly genesis uh we get to chapter two and it's called and and when there was one and i I assume that's going to be cyclops maybe i mean it sounds like a it's just like a that's a spice girls song title right now one thing i'll say when when (laughs) editing the podcast (laughs) for last week you kept correcting me and saying like well in the future Uh we know this and in the future we know this yeah, but we're just reading this book, so That's I shouldn't true. pretend like I know anything about what's in the future. You're right. I was I was incorrect in saying that we don't know that we don't know anything about anything. No, we don't. We have no idea what happens to these no, characters. We have no idea. We, we, we have no idea that one of them dies in like two issues. What? That's right. So I will say this um, before we get than, started, not to get us distracted. Before I read, I read this years ago. Yes. And I was always, maybe somebody just told me wrong, mm-hmm. but I was always under the impression that Thunderbird dies in the first mission, which would be this. So when they say uh, Thunderbird dies in his first mission, are they saying? The first mission, yeah. I'll be right back. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we're back here. Yeah. Uh, is Grandma okay? Oh yeah, no. She wanted me to turn on some lights downstairs because she, if if I didn't do it, then she would have gone downstairs and did it, and then you would have heard the stair the stair machine in the background, 
and the dogs barking because they would have thought that she was going downstairs and would have fed them again and it would have been a whole production okay well we're we're back here and we've got some stairs uh we've got wolverine at the top of the stairs with his arms folded just looking down at everybody like they're idiots yeah we've got sunfire uh with his fish mask on yes yeah i've never gotten the sunfire mask either it's just a, I mean, like if we're talking, if we're if we're if we're if we're talking about, I already already said my piece last 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 episode about. Well, you don't this. like the overall costume. I don't I'm like the overall. Asking, I'm backing the I, mask specifically. I honestly, don't I don't understand the the mask itself either. It, it's all just it's a mask. I'll have to research this one. I don't think the ma- the mask like tiger mask and stuff that was big in Japan in the 80s right that didn't yeah. in, in pro wrestling that wasn't yeah. around in like 74 right yeah i don't think so i mean uh, they might have been did do a lot of like i mean like kaiju stuff like you know not kaiju but like uh, the ultraman and other things like that but it's not very it's not even on it could on be that. sort of ultraman but there was a movie called Zebra Man about a superhero that was a zebra. He had a zebra mask, and it's kind of like a tiger mask. Um, but and and so pro wrestling had the stuff after that, which makes sense because pro wrestling always is behind pop yeah. culture by like ten years. Yeah, but Zebra okay. Man was a was a parody of superhero stuff, so it was based off of a probably Tiger Man type thing. So, anyways. I do, I do, I do appreciate how they do make. Uh, he tries to make a banshee look older than the rest of them. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and we can't the, see Sunfire's face because he may look yeah. older too. But I think they're they're around the same age technically. And that's probably why they're hanging out together. And and they've worked together. They worked in the previous uh, in previous incarnations of the X Men when they've done things together in the past. They've worked together so. And we don't know uh, anything about Wolverine, right? He's made, what, like two or three appearances? Yeah, at this point, he's the dark horse, if you will. And then we've got Happy Colossus, who is gigantic. Yeah. And he's showing some skin. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and Storm, of course, has the really cool costume. And she says she has a beautiful costume. Yeah. Uh, We find out their costumes are made of unstable molecules, which adjust themselves when they're necessary. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's good to know. I, I, the interesting phrasing. It's also how they explain <laughs> away Dave Cockrum's costumes working in the real world. Right. And it sort of explains away to some other things, right, that we don't have to explain later. Like, why does Nightcrawler's costume go with him when he bans? when he teleports? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really make sense. But OK, so uh, no tail, though, right now. At this point, yeah, no, we don't see it. It's tucked up. It's inside. Yeah, he's holding it inside. His tail has not hooked out. And we've got some interesting like you've got you do have some things that start to tell you a little bit about the characters here. One of the, of course, reasons to like uh, Cockrum's drawing. Um, You pointed out already Sunfire and Banshee are talking as if they're Mm -hmm. old friends. Yeah. Wolverine is standoffish with his arms crossed. Uh, Colossus is very open pose, Mm -hmm. uh, happy, excited. Aurora very much taking center stage, but but <laughs> she's but she's got that openness in her stance too, right? Yeah. And 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 all. Uh, we've got uh, James uh, messed it up. John the, James, I'm going to mess it up. Proud star. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah. Hands on his hips. 
Oh yeah, now power I just stance. messed up with who's who, if, which one's his brother and which one's him. Uh, yeah, he's taking that power stance right there. Boom, in the middle, front and center, next to yeah. next to Aurora. <laughs> yeah, and Nightcrawler's sort of in the background, just uh, chilling out. Yeah, in, in the Spider-Man pose. Yep. And so that's that's where we have the team, and they're here, and they are ready to mission. I think. Ready to mission. But first, they have to find out what's going on. And Sunfire, of course, jumps down from the stairs. Apparently, starts yelling at Professor X immediately. He's like, "Why'd you drag me here? I don't know what's going on." And then he's like, "Ah, here's everybody's favorite X Men, X Men Cyclops, Scott Summers." Uh, And we're not supposed to talk about the future, right? I hate Cyclops. You hate Cyclops? Why? Why do you hate him? I hate Cyclops so much. Are we talking about the future? or Are we not? I mean, you can if you want to, but it's probably uh, mostly Grant Morrison's fault. Is it just because of all like the 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 meme I sent you? (laughs) No, he's just well, I I know it's more of my response to the meme. Yeah, yeah. Like Uh, he's just an asshole. Yeah. Like, I guess you were saying in the original X-Men Beast was sort of the asshole. Well, they put well, like Scott Summers, he's like they put him in a position in which he's he's not necessary. He's a leader because he's kind of like one of the older kids at the school. So him and him and Angel are like at that at that age where they're both like the older the older kids. But um, it comes down to like Scott's more like I want to say um, tactical in a sense. He's got a, a mind for things and the ability to act on those things. And that's why Professor X puts him into more of a more of a power position where, uh, you know, Angel's like he's just always before he sprouts his wings. You know, he's always been in a in a world where he can just because he's he's rich. Right. So he's like he's always had all that at his fingertips. So, yeah, I hate Star Jammers. So uh, you don't start jammers. No, I hate I hated the Grant Morrison sleeping with the White Queen and his, you know, like it was just I hate they should have unpopular opinion or maybe popular opinion. They should have killed Scott Summers during the Dark Phoenix saga. Well, I mean, (laughs) the character wasn't needed anymore at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just and then they hold on to this character for years. They don't really need yeah, I mean, they they could have evaporated him and moved forward and told a whole entire Jean Grey as she rises from the ashes as the Phoenix, but has to deal with the repercussions of what's happened, right? Yeah, um, without you know, Scott, right? without Scott, and yeah, I mean, but I, I I hate to say it, I just don't think I don't think we as a society were ready for that at least the comic reading society was not ready. The main populace buying and reading comics at that time was not ready for that. Well, they weren't ready for any of the X-Men. The book had been canceled for two years. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think the market that they were going for trying to recapture wasn't going to buy that book. Well, they could have just got rid of Jean too, and just focused on the new X-Men too. I mean, that's what they were attempting to do. They they end up doing that like three years later. They end up doing that anyway. Right. So (laughs) it's, uh, I I mean, it's just, he's just, uh, I I mean, he's introducing himself here. Yeah. I just, it's just not, he's just, yeah, you're right. He's like the, he's like the principal's 
or the teacher's pet, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah and Wolverine, point, and you get the, you do get the interplay between him and Wolverine through history, which of course we don't know here yet. But I, I, I just I've always hated the character. I hate the character. I hate the character. You're like, I don't like him. I don't like him. I don't like him. Well, and this case. book, and this book doesn't help me like, like, so even when I read it later, right, like mm-hmm. after I'd read those other books, and so I'm tainted by my opinion, right, already. But this book did not make me like him. Did you just wish you could become um, part of the Black Dragon Society and learn from Count Dante so you could go fight him? No. Oh. So she died. Oh, that's terrible, man. Well, we get, we get, uh, and he's just a tool. Like he's, he, anyway, we'll, we'll yeah, oh, 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 let's I mean, not ruin the story. Not ruin uh, the story. We can have we can have Scott banter at some other point. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, there'll be some more Scott banter as we go through this book. So anyway, Scott comes out and he's like, yeah, I lost all of my friends. And then we get an ad for uh, Charles Atlas and some rocket cars and the deadliest man alive, the Black Dragon Fighting Society. Oh, which yeah, we're yeah. talking about. I, jump, I jumped it. I, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. He lost all his friends. And then we get all that. Uh, we get some exposition for something that's never happened, <laughs> so that's good. I guess it's good they're what telling us something that's never happened. It happened. It happened. This is well. This we is don't how... know it happened. So well, you do know it happened if you read the books before Dan. Well, we we didn't read. We're just now finding out. So Scott. Oh is, my gosh! And we've Dan. got a lineup of apparently this is the last lineup without the beast, right? So we've yeah. got well, Havoc, <laughs> who is Scott's younger brother. Yeah. Lorna Dane or Polaris, who is uh, just a character they always fucked up through time. She could have been awesome. Oh, oh, oh I always yeah, loved right. Polaris. I thought Polaris was a cool concept. Polaris, yeah. um, but Lorna Dane at the the time, right at this yeah. moment, they're yeah. not calling her Polaris. She goes back and forth uh, with a code name and without a code name. Uh, we've got Angel, mm-hmm. Jean Grey, uh, sometimes known as Marvel Girl mm-hmm. and Iceman. And they go off to an island called Krakoa in the South Pacific. And it's apparently supposedly has the most powerful mutant in the world on on the island. On the island. And And they go in the Stratojet, which must be the precursor for Blackbird. Yeah. Okay. So um, I'll give you I'll give you the rundown really fast. So prior. So like they had they had um, this is like the in between they had. They had a different jet. It got it got messed up by Magneto. This ended up being what uh, um, was getting built by Beast before he took off, and then he ends up like they end up getting Blackbird from from Beast later. But uh, they they had um, let's see. So they had they. In their in in their previous fights, they are like, oh, we got to go find, we got to go build our mutant team up. We need to go collect more mutants for the school, and they go yeah. and find this the strongest mutant signal through uh, Professor X, and they go to Krakatoa. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Uh, they go to they go here. Uh-huh. So this book uh, this book is released in seventy three, right? Yeah. Yeah, over, well, 74, but released in 73, cover date 74. Right. And it's interesting. So are you aware, and I said I would bring this up last time. Yes. Uh, what happened in Doom Patrol number 121, released in 1968? The same story. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, it says it's the beginning of the end for the Doom Patrol. But uh, the beginning of the end, Madame Rouge embarks upon an ambitious plot to avenge herself against the Doom Patrol, though she decides to send the Doom Patrol a message by destroying her old colleagues, the Brotherhood of Evil. Ah. Uh, Editor Murray Boltonoff and artist Bruno Primary appeared in the Doom Patrol's last issue, urged readers that the team's fate was in their hands. Only a miracle could save the Doom Patrol with the Doom Patrol's powers neutralized on a Caribbean island. The Brotherhood of Evil member Madame Rouge and Nazi Captain Zal demanded that the team choose between saving their own lives or those of the 14 innocent residents that formed the population of Codsville, Maine. In unison, the heroes told the enemies to fire away at them. One explosion later, the Doom Patrol was no more. I just, I need to bring that up, right? Because the yeah. X-Men analog that DC put out uh-huh. right, died on an island, sacrificed themselves for others. Uh-huh. Here we well, go. I mean, Six I, years later. I mean, technically, this is like the second time that the X-Men have died on, uh, like, lost themselves on an island because they, like, went to go fight on an island that Magneto had taken over prior and how they end up with, uh, like, their numbers wavering because they go to, to this island to go fight Magneto. And prior to this this situation, and they find that, like, you know, Magneto's, like, taking over the whole entire island of people. And they're, they're like, oh, no, we have to fight and, you know, like, destroy all this stuff or, you know, destroy Magneto and his and his. Was it called Cooey Cooey Cooey? No. No, oh, that's unfortunate. I know. That would have been a hell a of an of, adventure if Blue Beetle and Booster Gold showed up to fight a lot Magneto, of and then a lot of islands. It would have been cool. Been well, cool. on Genosha, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That's it yeah. was. Yes, it was Genosha. Genosha they, appears. They, they end up in Genosha like multiple times, and the Genosians hate the mutants over and over and over again. Yeah. For everything, and it's not even like they, they hate the wrong mutants for the right reasons, with the right the wrong mutants for the right reasons. They just hate mutants because of everything. Well, you know. on this island, yes, uh, Krakoa, which I just but it is interesting to point out the similarities between the end of the Doom Patrol and the start oh, yeah. of the new X Men, yeah, um, because you know, DC you know later relaunches Doom Patrol as well with a whole new cast, mm-hmm. and the, the, the folks were basically gone. Right. Except Robot Man. So very kind of similar. There's some similar things, uh, though. Obviously, I'm not going to say that the Doom Patrol was anywhere close to the popularity of the X-Men. But it's sort of interesting, some of the parallels. Yeah. Uh, We find out that everybody's captured almost immediately. Well, we don't know what happens to them, actually. Everybody disappears except Scott on the island. Yeah. He wakes up and his powers have stopped working. Yeah. Uh, they send him. Uh, he flies back home. No, the he gets yeah, in the he gets got plane autopilot. And it flies him home. Yeah. yeah, it's got autopilot and takes him home. And then he ends up with a very Lex Luthor looking Professor X. Professor X. He's got the Lex Luthor eyebrows going, and some pretty cool facial work by uh, Cockrum here. Oh yeah, no, the, like the the pages are great. Like the the. The detail, the the anguish you're seeing in in all of Scott's panels leading up to his like his ocular blast and everything like that is just fantastic. And he yeah. goes between like uh, he has like the five panel grids working 
Mm-hmm. Then he goes to a nine panel. Then he he gets a variation of the five panel. So and then he gets to a nine panel grids. Uh, a lot of um, I really like how Cockrum here will vary uh, the panel sizes as he needs them, right? Yeah. Depending on what he needs to tell in the story and how many characters he needs to integrate in the story. And right. probably good that he worked on Legion first, which has a, a billion characters, right? Um, but then, you know, kind of building in the storytelling. The, I, I guess the big part here is Scott gets back to Professor X and his powers come back on more powerful than ever before. Mm-hmm. And, more and he says, hey, everyone, come help my friends. And Sunfire, more reasons why I don't like him, is like, fuck you. I'm not going to help yeah. you. He's like, I got I, I didn't sign up for this. I, like, It sounds like a death, a death trip, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like death vacation. I'm not going home, going home. and I'm not going with you guys. I'm going home. So they they take off. But then like three panels later, Sunfire flies back. He's like, I want to go to you. Let me come. And what's crazy is you look at that when, when with this view of the the aircraft they're in uh, for for folks that are like, oh hey, uh, what does it look like? And you and you you don't get an opportunity to take a look at this amazing comic book. If you've ever seen the the um the TV show Buck Rogers, <laughs> it yes. doesn't it doesn't it look like his when he when he doesn't have a space shuttle anymore, but he's he's flying in the future. It does. It does. <laughs> I would also say. Why did you go pick up the worst character from Buck Rogers? And because it's the only one I can do. <laughs> that's fair. So uh, <laughs> I, I, what I like here, though, too, is I don't want to un- downplay Len Wein's dialogue. because We've been going through the story. And if I don't go through the story, we're never going to get it done. Yeah, uh, yeah. As you've pointed out many times to the listeners, like I'm it's the one holding up book. the story is definitely it's definitely me. Like I'm the only one talking about other things than the book. But the uh, when we go through the story, we start to build the dialogue that differentiates this group from the old group. Right. So we get oh, yeah. uh, Banshee in the background. He's like, it seems like I had my first or no uh, storm says, sorry, not Banshee. Banshee's just looking off into the sky. Storm says, it seems like I've had my first taste of mutant camaraderie. And I must say, Cyclops, I did not like it. And uh, Thunderbird says, uh, maybe you didn't notice sister, but this group ain't exactly a mutual admiration society. And, I, I think they're starting to ex- to different. They're attempting to differentiate this new group from the old group, right? And yeah. make sure that you, the reader, know this isn't going to be the same old X Men book. Like you're going to yeah. get something different. Like the old X Men was a uh, like a a group of uh, of classmates that became friends. You know, and like it, it's when you think about it, and this is the like the the. The thing that you think about as uh, as you become an adult, when you're a kid, it's so easy to make friends because you have to go to school with people and you're thrown into these situations where you become friends. And as an adult, it's like, oh, you find common interests with people, but it's like, do you how you know how do you make friends and stuff like that? And it's like, do you f- become friends with the people you work with, or do you become friends with these people that you meet in the world and stuff like that? It's just so difficult because of whatever. And these people are like, they're 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 in that coworker stage. They're like, well, we're not exactly friends, but we are similar. But when we're doing this thing, but we're coworkers and we're just kind of like, well, I guess we gotta get along. I mean, we will see some bonds get formed and some some 
friendships form through this, but it's not it's not right off the bat for sure. Yeah, well, and it's interesting too. Uh, I think there's again we talk about. I, I don't think that I don't think Len Wein gets enough credit uh, for the start of the X Men. Right? I, mm-hmm. I just I don't because he's he's gone as editor so soon. Right? Yeah. And uh, then, but there's some interesting tie-ins, right? Because the formula certainly gets used over and over again throughout history. Right? Yeah. Uh, Len Wein's the editor uh, for this. And I said it came out in 73. It's 74. Mm. So covered yeah, it in May 75. Right. And uh, Len Wein's not long for the editor chair. We're, we're going through like the the cycle of Marvel editors. And he's over at DC uh, in 77 doing Batman in Detective. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Marv Wolfman takes over the editor chair for a, a quick, a hot minute because they're just cycling through editors. But, you know, when Marv goes over to DC, he takes all of what he learned here mm-hmm. and applies it to the team, new Teen Titans, right? Uh, I mean, the exact same formula, right? Hey, I mean, it. not the one difference is he doesn't just kill the old team necessarily, but it's the same formula, right? Like bring oh, in a does. couple of existing characters, keep Wonder Girl, keep robin keep kid flash but then introduce starfire and raven and cyclone and in cyborg right so and that becomes the most popular book over at dc right so we get sort of the same sort of formula it's like this all new all different and it's always it's always interesting to me because new teen titans right and uncanny right the new books right you get the new but then that's tried later and, and and now when you see new on a comic, it's almost like poison. <laughs> Why? Why is this thing on there? Oh, I hate it so much. New. And it's like they they have to tell you it's the all new, all different. And you're like, oh, great. A bold new direction. I've heard that one before. <laughs> uh, but this, you know, this works. And uh, I think uh, obviously, you know, with people replicating it, right, that hurts it hurts the viability of it down the line right uh but it is copied a couple times and and it is effective and i I think a lot of it is because of the very rapid way len ween and then chris claremont uh with cockrum are able to build the characters and different really differentiate them from the original x-men yeah it's a transition from silver age to bronze age Mm mm-hmm and they were able to successfully do that with the new Teen Titans as well. Or Marv Wolfman was with George Perez. I'm sure the George Perez art had nothing to do with it. No, nothing at all. <laughs> Again, put good writing with good art and it sells books. That's for sure. So now we get chapter three. Chapter three. Ass assault force. force. I mean, assault force. <laughs> ass force. <laughs> That's more of of Cockrum's Legion costumes, I think, than the X Men costumes. Well, I thought because it's being led by uh, Scott Summers, it's just ass force, asshole force. Yes. Or did you think Nightwing had come over and then it was just ass force? Just as he's just shaking the booty. He's just yeah. Hey, everybody, drop, stop, because I'm about to drop and serve. So, <laughs> uh, so. <laughs> We finally get Wolverine saying something. He says, can't say much for your taste in vacation, Scott Summers. So he starts to get uh, <laughs> Wolverine already sassing Scott Summers in his, his very first mission with the team, which is, is perfect. It's perfect. 
see <laughs> it is ass force it's like scott summers and wolverine just yeah you know well and they're all just pissing on scott summers right oh yeah no no all like i mean it started it started two panels back i mean like like, back yeah no it's yeah everybody everybody's just giving him a tough time and like it's like i can't say much for your sense of humor wolverine nor yours thunderbird and he's like my name's proud star one eye (laughs) Uh and then they're just all attacking cyclops which is is great love that um and that's that's one thing too i was going to ask you about right in reading this that part i mean we are getting the character differentiation but that doesn't seem different from the original x-men book right with the with the teenagers fighting all the time oh yeah yeah no they 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 fought all the time now it's just like workplace hazing (laughs) and uh scott (laughs) scott breaks them up into teams so we've got the We've got some teams that don't make any sense, but uh, I guess they sort of make sense. We get Sunfire and Nightcrawler uh, together. So we've got the spy and the aerial acrobat (laughs) acrobat weapon. Yeah. Uh, We get Banshee and Wolverine. Yeah. And Wolverine's whining about and uh, and and Banshee, by the way, is very subtle as he goes into places. Nobody will ever notice that Banshee is coming in. Nope. Not at all. He does. I mean, he he sneaks into places super, super quiet and chill. Very quiet. Yeah. I mean, it's like a a, a fart in a satin sheet. Yeah, I guess it makes sense to put Wolverine <laughs> with him. If anything goes wrong, Wolverine <laughs> will just go in there and start clawing stuff. Uh, we've got yeah. Colossus and Storm. Um, so it always always too made sense to put the two least experienced people together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's put the two least experienced people together. Um, uh, and again, like two, 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 essentially like uh, dynamos in their own rights. <laughs> right. But but also the least experienced. Like, don't put the least experienced people with the more experienced people. That's a no. like I think if I was scrambling this team, this is just shows how inept uh, Cyclops is the leader. Right. Like uh, you would at least put. Like probably Wolverine with Storm, maybe or Cyclops, maybe. right? Yeah. And then, yeah, I. Well, anyway, we yeah. get three-dimensional Marvel superhero action scenes. Uh, Collect them cool. all. Collect them all. Just three twenty-nine. Let's. Can we buy those still? Do you think? Uh, oh, offer expires December thirty-first, nineteen seventy-five. So that's a that's a, a big negative. You can also sell the grit. Sell the grit. The grift. Missing a letter. Like, is that the creepiest looking kid ever? It is. It's missing oh a letter, God. though. It's missing the F, the grift. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, and then uh, we get Thunderbird has to go with Cyclops because he drew the short, st- short straw for, yeah. for sure. Right. Like, what uh, are great. they insinuating about uh, Thunderbird through this? Like, it's like they send everybody else off by themselves and we get sort of a highlight on Thunderbird, but they're going to kill him like what? Three or four issues later, right? Well, I mean, he's he's uh, he's a wild card. It's, well, no, it's I'm, I'm like, I'm seriously asking, though, why are we highlighting this character that they, they know they were going to kill? Well, they did, I don't think they knew they were going to kill him. You don't think they knew? OK, so uh, maybe Claremont I, takes over and doesn't like the character. Is that maybe? I don't know. I, I honestly like I, reading reading. When I my my first couple my first read through of this 
and yes, we're spoiling it for you people. Uh, when I was when I was younger, I was like, oh man, this guy, he's like, because you you think of him and Wolverine are equally matched in the sense of they're those two wild card type of you know guys. And maybe it was one of those things like, what do the readers like? Who do the readers like more? Is it is it this character or is it this character? And you know, do we push Wolverine out into his own book or do we keep? Do we keep this guy, you know, or do we, you know, do we keep one or give her to the other? Or is it just from the three very racist panel, two yeah. very racist panels at the bottom of this page? Cyclops and Greg is on the warpath. I'm on the warpath, just like Thunderbird. Uh, I was going to say like warpath. warpath. That was his brother's code name. Well, I'm not. I'm, I'm talking the character we're talking about. <laughs> you're you're shot of you're like, who's warpath? No, I'm just like you're, we're we're you're jumping ahead in in stuff I don't know about right now because you told me to forget about my future knowledge and only yeah. know about my uh-huh. past of past. Uh-huh. Okay. So <laughs> I meant that when we were analyzing the book, not when we were telling jokes. I don't know what a joke is, Dan. I'm super serious now. You are so super serious. serious. So serious, you're going to, like, make your chair make noise in, like, two seconds. So, the <laughs> anyway, we get Cyclops and uh, the most experienced person with Thunderbird, and the jet disappears, and they immediately get captured. It's gone. Yeah, well, they get attacked by a plant. You could say and they, that it's a plant. How come this time he has his powers, but last time he's on the island, he doesn't? I don't know. That... It, that's a good question. Also, you would think that because he's been on the island before, he would know what to expect. No, he, he would just have got said, knocked out immediately. Like that's... You, would, you would you would imagine he would have seen it coming. But then again, he's a Cyclops, so he can't see everything. Well, they have a battle with the plant monster. And then inexplicably, there's there's dialogue that says 14 minutes later, which seems quite specific for a comic book. <laughs> 14 minutes later man that's a long ass fight for a plant <laughs> yeah well they and they have arrived at a, a giant palace looking thing oh, and wow. you can get all 18 marvel hero stick-ons for only 250 that's a good deal i want to stick them on everything i wonder if you, and you put become a, a motorcycle mechanic <laughs> you can play guitar in seven days i could and grow you can join cobra kai oh sweet could i could i grow an impressive beard or no. mustache Oh. No, they everybody saw your impressive beard on the Christmas present oh, opening. Uh, I have it just cut down to a really nice mustache, and I got called sir today in the office. Excuse me. Well, sir. there you go. See. <laughs> well, uh, we get we get to storm the north side of the island with with storm and and cyclops, and an avalanche happens, and no, and, they win. They, yeah, yeah, because just like in in the in the super in the, in the super in the Wonder Woman book, uh, Peter takes a tree and just beats the Jesus out of the rocks. There's nothing in this book that is like the Wonder Woman book, to be clear. That's true. There's nothing, nothing at all. We're, we're specifically referring to the Wonder Woman story in the Christmas Christmas with the superheroes tabloid that we reviewed. Uh, yeah, I mean, the very yeah. disturbing Wonder Woman story, which I'm shocked that you're bringing up again. <laughs> I just it's just that, that, that Peter takes a, a, a tree and just like plays ba- baseball with the rocks. He's just like, that's true. Well, Wolverine and Banshee uh, way laced, w- lay waste to some giant uh, 
lobsters lobsters lagosta yeah it's like they're gonna uh, maybe they're crabs they're gonna make some crab cakes i don't know i mean they win pretty quickly i mean one has claws and one can like blow up the shells with his voice so i mean it was pretty easy Uh, easy victory there uh and then we've got the the weakest of the combinations here We've got the teleporter mixed with the guy who fires death rays from his hands, and they get attacked by the birds from Harry Potter. uh, No, (laughs) that's not where I was going, but that's uh, fine. It it looks like the. No, I was going to say like from the birds, like from Hitchcock. But if we're going to Harry Potter, that's that's not fine. But that's fine. Anyway, they dispatch these birds very quickly, making the rest of the X-Men look fairly pathetic uh, to get captured in like one second. Uh, So the new X-Men take out everything and they go to a giant temple and they blast it open with their superpowers all at the same time. And all of the the old X-Men are in some tree roots or roots. Yeah, Yeah, down. It's like a Thomas Dish novel. It's scary. You, do you know that Thomas Dish novel? I don't know that Thomas Dish novel. It's oh, well. Where they get tied up in the roots. Well, I'm actually trying to remember the title of the novel, but... Yeah, it uh, spread up a bunch of plates. This is like my other podcast, Plates and Trains. So if you're interested in Plates and Trains, then we talk about HO scale trains and decorative plates. Uh, it's a really good podcast. Well, (laughs) I'm looking up something else right now, and I don't know what you're talking about. Um, I have no idea what you're talking about. When when you when you when you looked up the stuff because it showed up on the screen, it was nothing. But you put in Thomas Dish and it just brought up a bunch of plates, decorative plates. Well, now I've quit sharing my screen so you'd stop distracting (laughs) people. But uh, the book's called The Genocides and the world cities have been reduced to cinder and ash because alien plants have taken over the earth. And humanity lives like underneath these plants and has to like try to figure out how to survive. That makes sense. That's what the thing reminded me of. Uh, It does not have good ratings, this book, Uh, but I liked it. So anyway, uh, uh, they're all captured and we find out very quickly that the island trapped them all. No. And they they are all calling Cyclops a moron moron for coming back. So, I mean, basically, we have a theme here. The new X-Men hate Cyclops. The old X-Men hate Cyclops. Cyclops just never... He's, <laughs> he's not liked. No. And for good reason. So, and then the island comes to life. That's why I thought it was Kui Kui Kui. <laughs> and in chapter four, Krakoa, the island that walks like a man. Wow. It looks like... You're going to do the Frankie Valley, right? Walks like a man. No, you can't like do it. Okay, you can stop now. Okay, so uh, the image. Thanks, Dan. Walks You're welcome. like a Dan, 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 Dan. You're not even in the right register. So I'm not. I can't sing, dude. I haven't sung since like eighth grade. Well, I don't have falsetto anymore. Thank you, COVID. So I can't do it. <laughs> so the sunburst brilliance of. Uh, anyway, the uh-huh. island was tested had atomic testing done on it and Mm -hmm. it became a mutant itself and it grew hungrier and it wanted to eat mutants and so it lured the x-men there and it captured them very quickly and uh you could get paid 50 dollars for a penny so it's exciting and then uh basically 
we get this dialogue of of the MacGuffin, right? Like explaining everything it was doing. I was collecting you. <laughs> yeah, and now it's time for him to feed and I'm uh, eat you. Yeah, basically, like all of the mutants get together, gather together, use their powers to beat up the island. Except they need one mutant more than all the rest. Because, and so, of course, Professor X comes in and he says, Scott, stop. You're going about this all wrong. <laughs> Shock of shocks. Oh. You know, you'd think if he constantly goes about it all wrong, the professor would quit putting him in the field as his, like, field commander. Right. You would think. Well, eventually, yes. <laughs> uh, he says, I've been mentally monitoring your battle thus far, studying this living island, and I believe I've discovered a weak point. Now, this is my plan. So what you do is all you have to do is put it to sleep. So you just have to give it a command and all the Borg go to sleep. Oh, OK. Shut down. And then that's Control the end. Control delete. Yeah. Control delete. Yeah. So okay. why doesn't. Why doesn't he just put the island to sleep with his gigantic mental powers? Because he's not on the island. Well, he contacted Scott from halfway around the world, but now he's tired. Yeah, so. he's tired. He's an old Why man. didn't he just put the island to sleep instead of talking to Scott? Like having Scott help him? That's a good question. That's a very well. Good anyway, <laughs> it is a good question. Uh, Storm and Lorna Dane work together. Yeah, and, and they, they create an electromagnetic storm. And Havoc's all freaking out because he thinks Polaris will be killed because how many times did they do that storyline over time? Well, this time might be the last time because she how much more powerful is she than than Havoc? She's like a ton more powerful, but he might lose this girlfriend. Yeah, I mean, so who do you hate more except when he's in X Factor written by Larry David? Or Peter David, sorry, Larry David. Wow, that would be an interesting book. <laughs> that would be such a crazy book. I would, I that would be awesome. Yeah, okay. Except when he's in X Factor, written by Peter David and running the detective agency. Who do you hate more, Cyclops or Havoc? Um. So, do I? Do I? I mean, they're both. The thing is, is like they're they're bros. They're bros. They're brothers that share a very similar kind of. Uh, uh, I want to say their their mentality is very similar in a sense, right? Uh, although, like younger, I mean, Havoc's younger, and then Havoc also has has a belief that like Scott's a little jaded. Havoc has a has this like belief that things can be things can change, things can get better. But then again, there. <laughs> He has he has parents that are like as soon as they find out he's a mutant they're like get the f out <laughs> so it's like wait a minute you got you're shooting power out of your body what's wrong with you yeah you I don't know. Up, it's you're the one who blew up the plane with your original dad in it it's your fault yeah I I don't know well anyway we get uh, sorry. <laughs> The uh, professor. Well, no, I did ask. I mean, uh, Professor they're, they're X. Both, they're they're both they're both bad. I don't know who I I, I would I would toss a coin. I, yeah, I mean, at least a... they they do cool things with with Havoc later. Havoc, uh, I, I later. think I think Havoc's probably. I mean, like he's he's a little bit better. He's more of an optimist. Scott's more of a pessimist. Well, uh, the the professor collapses as usual because he's pretty much worthless until he turns evil and collapses the universe in on itself. Oh. And, and spoiler. So 
It's uh, and he just does bad and, things every five books. It's okay. Yeah, and then you know the uh, the island gets rained on, and it's really happy because it got some rain. But then hey. havoc and Cyclops shoot the island. Um, now. I'm just hypothetically saying, like, yeah. if you needed mental powers, don't they have like a really powerful telepath slash telekinetic on the island already that could probably do things? Yeah, they do. Maybe that's why she goes crazy and murders people because nobody respects her powers. Well, she okay. You got to think about this too, and this is the so part of part of the reason why beast left and why some of the other x-men kind of left and are a little upset is maybe she didn't want to remember certain things so she told professor x to to put a little uh little little block in there as to why certain things aren't and that's why she doesn't know certain things because maybe he took away certain aspects of her thought process that's fair and then he also keeps going in there and tweaking a little bit of here and a little bit there and that's why beast is like how if he does that to her how much does he do to the rest of us and how much does he sway the rest of our opinions and then she heard a rumor and then she heard well i mean ha 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 that it's that's funny but then that is not too far off from the truth well i know i mean that the whole that whole series that whole series is an analog to this so yeah yeah but anyway um they they beat up the island and yeah, it's collapsing. They beat it up and they throw into the uh, they throw they kick it out of the ocean. Uh, and uh, the old X Men are still fighting with each other all through this. Mm-hmm. Like now, Havoc's fighting with Iceman over who gets to carry Lorna off the island. Like it, it's just like they are insufferable, right? And I, I guess good again, good on Len Wein. If you were getting us to hate the old ones and like the new ones, you are doing a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. Except getting us to like Thunderbird. Well, like because they're going to kill him in like two issues. But yeah. yeah. So spoiler. So anyway, we get I guess that's one we shouldn't know about, too. Right. Like I said, we shouldn't think forward. But I am thinking like. Honestly, of the whole group, right, the two unlikable ones are Sunfire and Thunderbird, right? Yeah. And Sunfire leaves. I mean, I mean, I said we're I, depending if we're if we're going to read more or not later. But I mean, Sunfire, well, we might read some more, but not I, immediately. It's not going it, to this doesn't really it's not spoiling the story. It just it just puts it out there. I mean, he leaves because he was going to leave to begin with and we have a very strong-willed, strong-willed X-Men in Thunderbird. <laughs> yeah, who's not interesting in playing along with the team. He's not, yeah, he, he does, he's been doing his own thing for quite some time. Kind of like, yeah. And so, kind of like Wolverine. So, you don't need both of them, I think, is kind of what you were saying before, too. Yeah. And, and... You honestly don't. You only need one. And I'll just. Yeah, I I hadn't thought about it from the Sunfire perspective, but you really do only need one of the three of them. Right. Like you don't need a Wolverine and a Sunfire and a and a Thunderbird. You need. Yeah. Yeah. You only need one. And it really comes down to who did the who do the readers align with which one to, you know, like you put all three of them in all three hotheads and I mean, I'm not, I'm pretty sure they didn't ask the readers which ones they, they liked, 
but at one, you know, you start to see them kind of whittle down. Sunfire leaves, Proudstar perishes, and then you're left with Wolverine butting heads with everybody and, and being Wolverine. <laughs> well, and then, you know, they defeat the island, um, and then they they are all done. They beat up the island by working together, theoretically. Yay. And then uh, they're all happy at the end. They've survived. They throw the island and into Angel the space. And Angel says, sorry, we don't have seats for all of you, but this plane wasn't designed to carry so many mutants. And then he's like, what do we do? What are we going to do with 13 X-Men? Like, huh. And he said, we'll find out when the Doomsmith strikes next issue. Uh, so, I mean, a good bridge. Uh, yeah, I was just thinking, too, like, you ask, like, who likes which character we like the most, right? Uh, <laughs> of the three. Wolverine has, like, one line. Yeah. So Wolverine they didn't write line. him to be hated. They didn't write him to be hated, but they they wrote him to be he he's just like the he's the loner in the corner, um, and yeah. you already like so you set him up for that. You you already know Sunfire is this guy that has worked for the X Men, but he's already got his own thing going on in Japan. But you also know that he doesn't really want to be part of the X Men. He said that he said that numerous times in the past as well. Well, and just think how well those Sunfire movies would have sold. <sighs> it would have been amazing. You know, like just number one hits. I mean, redesign and and maybe bring some other stuff in. I Who knows? But um, yeah, so Wolverine had lines. Wolverine only had lines on the page where he was fighting with Sunfire. Uh-huh. The page where he go, leaves with Professor X, the two pages there. Mm-hmm. And then the one line to Scott, and that's it in the whole book. Wow. I, you know, in reading this multiple times, because, you know, we're drilling down into the book, right? Like, mm-hmm. I hadn't ever thought about that. Like, I was like, you know, Wolverine really doesn't talk in this whole thing. Yeah. And then they make him awesome when he just, like, takes out the giant lobsters. Yeah. And he goes back to not talking. Mm-hmm. And they really rely on the other, the older X-Men to be just the whiny... Yeah, group that they were before. Yeah. yeah. And and there are some other I didn't read them. I guess you've read them before. (laughs) I didn't read the reprint stories in here. So they're uh, they're they're just like a kind of like a a quick, like, get to know these people. They're not the older. Yeah. yeah, The ex-family album, you know, get to know who these people are, you know. Oh, it's Scott. These are his powers. This is what he does. Um. This is Iceman. This is what he does. So if you're not familiar with these uncanny characters, you know. These uncanny characters. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, and I, I'll origins. just say, too, this podcast has an interesting feel to it because we got interrupted a couple of times. So just bear with us. Uh, but I, I do want to circle back around, right? Like, I mean... Obviously, last last episode became the tribute to Dave Cockrum on accident, which is what uh, I titled the episode. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now we're here with Len Wein creating the X-Men, right, with Cockrum. I, I, I mean, why did this work? Why did it work? Yeah, um, I think because you have a, you have you have a idea generator uh, creating this new kickoff story with new X-Men characters and you have an artist that's got character designs that are appealing to people that draw draw attention to these new these new characters that are being 
created with these new designs and they marry up really nice uh page page layouts like you talked about looked really good uh a lot of really good use of panel and flow so that's really appealing and nice where in previous previous books it's very standard very uh i want to say like pop 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 okay here's your here's your five panel page five panel page four panel page one splash page and on this it's like you you're getting all this crazy action dialogue crammed into things uh just it's 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 very very interesting very very um it doesn't it doesn't feel like the x-men that we're used to because of the way that it's designed and i'm with you and the way that it flows writing wise it doesn't even it doesn't even sound like because uh, these new characters have different voices and or they don't use their voices as we talked about with Wolverine you got a right. very quiet character where all the other characters in the past were fighting for word bubbles <laughs> uh, you in know spotlight, yeah. in spotlight in the, in the previous lineups and stuff like that and because they're all brooding teenagers you know in, in the previous character lineup uh, in this one, you've got a bunch of adults who they they kind of know who they are, but they also they're they're like they're so used to either standing back and being the different person and not you know standing in the, they they know they're different like Wolverine and he's like hey these are the things that I'm good at and this is what I'm not good at and it's talking to people. <laughs> well, and the two page the two page spread where the island is retreating or is defeated. Yeah. Looks like uh, the uh, looks like the apocalypse is happening, and uh, no oh, pun yeah. intended. Uh, right. Not the character, the <laughs> actual like. Yeah. And there's whirlpools, and it looks like an action movie. Like the art is crazy. Like I don't, oh. I didn't even want to try to describe it during the podcast. Right. There's there's no amount of words I could use to describe it. That sequence, and then it it ends, and then we have the funny line right as they take off. I guess what are we gonna do with all of us? Ha <laughs> ha. Yeah. But it's. It's, uh, some of them fly. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, like I think that's what like you look at that art and you're like, I want more of that, right? Yeah. And that's I think people come back for that and then they stayed for a long time and for whatever reason too. Yeah, I think enough for whatever reason. But we mentioned the transition from the Silver Age to the Bronze Age, right? Like you have, you just it's a different set of characters to appeal to a different you know generation of reader, right? Yeah. This isn't a not your dad well it's just not it's not teenagers from it's one where they actually had to to evolve right it's no longer yeah. teenagers from the 60s it's adults from the 70s and we're yeah. going to put them in a book right the right. only one that is a, a kurt might be a teenager right but the only one that's clearly a teenager is is peter right yeah yeah peter is uh, a teenager but he looks like a man storm might be no. Kurt might be, but we don't know. Mm-hmm. Wolverine's not. No. Like Banshee is not. Sunfire, Sunfire is not, not for sure. Thunderbird is not. No, Thunderbird clearly is not. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's it's it, it gives it a different appeal. And I think too, they mentioned, you know, they were going for a team from around the world, right? As opposed right. to, you know, teenagers from the northeast, which is really yeah. what and and Angel. And England. <laughs> 
And I think, you know, when they try things later, too, right? Like, I, I wouldn't say the New Mutants was, like, the biggest success ever. Yeah. But, but at least uh, Claremont tried to have the teenagers be from all over the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't try to have them all just be from one, like, location. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cannonball is cheesy, but... You get different stuff from different places. It's fine. Yeah. At least get that. Yeah. I always like Cannonball. Anyway, I, I'm an apologist for... But anyway, whatever. I'm not going to okay. get into that. Everybody everybody hates that character except for me, so... Well, hey. We can we can we can delve into it another time, and you can we can we can have that discussion. Everybody hates that character. I I don't know, but anyway, you might, you might find yourself surprised. There are five billion X Men, so I'd ask you this question then too. The follow up to this is, I mean, what happened? Like, why isn't X Men the most popular book now? Like, what went wrong? Oversaturation. Too many X Men. I mean, I, I honestly, you get you have you have too many. Too many teams to choose from. Too many X Men. Too many X Men books. X books, and everything else. And you've got too many different things that that go and make you go, "Wow, okay, that's a lot to choose from." And you can't just put your finger down and go, "Okay, this is the storyline I'm reading." And then you got so many starts and finishes. And for the average person that that's trying to find. A, a story to where do I where do I start how do I do this and and that's a that's it makes it very difficult right you know like anybody that's jumping into this unless you're just going okay I'm gonna start here and or have somebody that just says here here's a good here's a here's here's a good run to start with you just pick these three books up or pick this giant size number one up and start here. You don't need to you don't need to read number one all the way through or, you know, you don't need to do this or this, you know, or, or here's my here's my favorite. You know, this is my one favorite issue. Just check this out and 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 do that because yeah. but that's the problem is there's so many different things that, that people get lost in, you know, or or they hear or they hear that. Oh, you're gonna love X Men, but this is terrible because uh, and you get people's opinions about things like Scott Summers or the Hellfire Club, aspects of the Hellfire Club, or <laughs> you know, and, or Grant Morrison destroying the X Men, or whatever you know. And then it's like, well, oh, I don't want to put that too much energy into it. Then if that's like a huge thing, what Dazzler's only in there for like a hot minute? Well, what's the point then? You know, <laughs> but those roller skates stuck around for years. I know, I know, but actually they didn't. But that's yeah. I, you got a character that's in there, in, like has like what two two appearances, and but is talked about for four decades. <laughs> well, and I think yeah, I think too. Like that's I think you nailed it, right? That's when I quit reading the X Men when I had like a year's worth of X books sitting in my room that I hadn't read. Yeah. And trying to collect the different books. And I I, I held out on X Factor um, back when it was the detective agency. Yeah. Uh, held out, I held out on those books. Uh, and I was kind of dwindling at Marvel at the time. Bendis killed my interest in, in Avengers. Uh-huh. And there was just too many X books, like you were saying, to keep track of everything. And, you know, I'm a hypocrite. I mean, I'm still grab, you know, five Superman books a, a month, right? You know, there, try to yeah. read them all. 
but it's I couldn't. I'm behind on those too. I think it, and it, it sort of vacillates between and I'll go back and forth, you know, how much of what can I read? And then it just came down to like, was it interesting storytelling anymore? And I felt like some of the storytelling had gotten really repetitive too, or they just kept, they were trying to like bring back a storyline. And of course, you know, in recent years they did, right? Like they, I mean, Marvel, I'm not reading Marvel right now, so I cannot tell you how good yeah the recreation of the storyline was, but they just recreated like three of the major 90s storylines, right? And mm-hmm. brought them back. Yeah. And so why, why would I, and I know it's not written for me then. So why would I buy that again? Yeah. Like the onslaught storyline wasn't good the first time. And so they, why would I buy it again? There's multiple storylines that are brought that are resurrected. There's multiple storylines that are, that it's like, you've got, you got, Wolverine books, tie-in books, books that are um, like the Logan book. You've got other things, and it's like you're you're constantly reading all these different things, and it's like that's where it gets confusing, you know. One is Disney-fied now. Dis- all Disney well, does is bring back nostalgia, right? So that's mm-hmm. what they did. They just kept bringing back the old storylines, right? Yeah, yeah. And there you go. It's like Bringing back those double those double books with the Ghost Rider and the the Wolverine. Um, flip it over. You got one book on one side, one book on the other. I love those. Come on, Disney, do that. <laughs> and so, well, it's just like shut uh, up, Greg. <laughs> it just well, it's not shut up, Greg. It's just like I I think, but I mean, why not? Like they're not. We know they're not going to bring that back. First, they're off, not. But they're not. Second, it's just I think you hit it. It makes me sort of sad, right? Like X-Men was so cool to me. Like I loved reading it. But then I just fell off to your point because it just got to be too much. Right. And, you know, it's maybe that's just the the nature of success. Right. When you get success, you're going to when you get success, you're going to have a billion. Oh. You get you end up with it, right? You got different versions of it, but then you have all like like I said, d- different team tie-in books because you've got you, you you're not Marvel's really good about that in the eighties and nineties where you've got multiple book series that that all tie in or interlaced with your 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 X Force, your X Men, your different X Team books, and then your your Alpha Flights, your your Wolf Packs. They although they're they're all different. They all did have very intricate things that tied in with characters that popped back and forth. Your Deadpool tied a lot of things together, <laughs> you know? Well, and, and and it did come to a point, too, in the late 80s, early 90s. You had to buy all the X books to get the crossover storylines, right? Yeah. And so it it burned people out. Um, mm-hmm. Well, and I was just um, I just some. Uh, Lie exclusive news right now as a five hour ago, uh, Steve UN is not going to play Sentry in the Thunderbolt movie. And my thought was not like that that was terrible. My thought mm-hmm. was like he dodged a bullet when it's a terrible character. And two, it's like, why are they doing a Thunderbolt movie? My question is, why haven't they already done a, a Thunderbolt movie? or TV well, they, show. They haven't because the way they wrote those characters in the movies doesn't lead to the creation of the Thunderbolts. Yeah, well, it doesn't not in the movies, but why haven't they just why haven't they done it in the past already? Well, because in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they haven't set up the world where you would need the Thunderbolts, right? Like you yeah. would have had to do that after Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Or before. No, they did it before Civil War in the comics. 
but before I'm, in the I'm comics. Saying, well, it doesn't matter what the comics do, right? I'm saying yeah, in true. the cinematic universe, it would have made sense to. for that vacuum to be there after Civil War that you would need a new hero team for people to respect, and boom, the Thunderbolts would be there, right? So the villains would portray themselves as heroes, right? Yeah, because the the heroes are often hiding because, uh, or they're they're broken. Yeah, right. So that would yeah. that would have been a perfect spot for that. But no. <laughs> and 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 so anyway, like if you're thinking about, so you ask why they didn't do it. Well, it didn't oh. this fit. Now they're doing it have to do Forced. everything but i don't want to critique thunderbolts before i see it because i i try uh listeners may not believe this as much as i critique things but i try not to read anything about anything until i watch it it's true he doesn't and then he'll sit there and make faces at it while he's watching it and uh jujus or paul will make videos of it and post it on his secret tiktok account it's hilarious that's, that's only if i don't like it Um, A lot of times I just like it and then there's no reason to make faces of it. But when you put out a piece of crap like the Blue Beetle movie or the recent Batman movie, yeah, I'm going to make faces at it. Like it's when you take especially Blue Beetle, when you take a character I freaking love and you make a terrible movie. Right. Like I. Yes, I will make faces like that. I haven't watched it yet, but I will. Don't bother. Like it's going to. No, I I would tell you don't bother. I'm going to. It's it's like it's anyway. So we're off onto a tangent. I'm going to pause this. So maybe we should do a live watch through a blue beetle and I can cry the entire time. Sure. But it's uh, listeners. you tell us what you want. If you want Dan to cry the whole time we watch the blue beetle, tell us and let us know. So awful. I I mean, I like I like the books and I'm pretty sure it does not hold anything. to. I love the books. The movie is not. And this is not me saying the movie isn't the books. Did I say this on the podcast before? No, he's not Mexican-American in the movie. It's just it's a it's a different movie. It's a different it's a it's a different it's a different it's a different universe. They move him to Miami. The whole book is based in El Paso. That was its whole appeal. It's not even in Texas. Well, I'm out. No, there's no mystical. There's no mystical thing off a of bridge. No. In the river. Just don't. Yeah, just it's it's just. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about it. It is a completely different universe. That is for Tell damn us sure. people. Like, what do you is, want? It is. It is a completely different Jaime. I like um, Miami. That's fine. Uh, but anyway, we have div- we have diverged. I'm going to end the podcast because we have now diverged from the talking of the X-Men. But uh, I think the point stands, though. I mean, we can tie the Blue Beetle commentary back in, right? Like yeah. as in um, uh, Blue Beetle's unique because I don't think it's a character that anybody cared about. And so they really could have made a cool movie, right? Because they had uh, I mean, but, some people care about the character, but right. they had the opportunity to make a. They had an opportunity to make something amazing and didn't. So let's pause that for another day. But I think it's the oversaturation or even like in the X universe, right? The death of the X universe was uh, the massive expansion of the books, lowering of writing quality and artistic quality and making you tie everything together and just pushing things out there. And this is where we can tie the Blue Beetle movie back in, right? I mean, this Mm -hmm. is DC pushing movies out just for the sake of pushing movies out, right? Right. Uh, And not necessarily making a quality movie or, you know, thinking about, like, 
how to how to market that movie to an audience. And I, I think yeah. Marvel is on the same path, right? You know, yeah. the original MCU was that, but now they just have to keep making things. And that's where we're talking about the Thunderbolts. They're just going to yeah. have to keep making things. And here's one I did watch. I watched the first episode of the second series season of What If? Because I love What If, right? Like, okay. I love those stories. And it was freaking Nebula. No. It was like, what if Nebula had joined the Nova Corps? I don't care. That's just not a what if I care about at, at all, ever. Like, <laughs> like, let's get a D-list character and do a what if episode about them. Well. <laughs> and sounds... there you go. Like, if you want to kill interest in the in the thing, you've, ex- you've now expanded the universe so much that you've got Nebula in your first episode of what if. That's your lead. You're leading with Nebula. What if Nebula was in the Nova Corps? Hmm. Oh yay! Yay! Dan is I mean, Dan is not happy. It's just, I mean, I just if like I'm not a marketing genius, but if I was marketing to that, so anyway, I I need to end the rant. But yeah, yeah I mean, I asked you about X Men, and we got you know what 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 happened to them, and um, let's let's end on a positive note. Yes. Um. So, uh, first off. Uh, I, I will. I don't know why I'm sharing this because we weren't covering Chris Claremont, but Chris Claremont did write one comic where the Legion appeared. Oh, cool! He did a Sovereign Seven plus Legion crossover in 1997. Um, so um, I I do like to to tie it back around because you know we do have obviously Len Wein interacted too as an editor so <laughs> and writer so. We do have the crossover between the Legion and the X-Men, which I always think is is cool to kind of wrap with. Right. Yeah. Um, put a wrapper around. And uh, so there is at least that sort of crossover. Always fun historical facts. I think that, you know, if you read the X-Men from 1975 to what would you say, like 88, 89? Yeah. You're really going to enjoy yourself. OK. Is that a fair statement? That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I think with the. Uh, it I'd starts to go downhill in the 90s, right? Yeah. We read it all. We, we were still running down to the shop to get it. Yeah, but I, I would say, like, at that, like, once you start, once you start getting to the later, you know, into the 90s, later 90s, a lot of, that's when, that's when it starts crisscrossing, and no pun intended, <laughs> but. Well, you get the Grant Morrison run, too. Yeah, I mean, and then it, and it, but it gets, it, but that's when it gets really, really hard to. Well, and they bring Grant Morrison in to try to revitalize it, right? And I just don't think it worked. I mean, some people really liked it, right? They're like, oh, this is edgy. This is new. This is getting us into the 2000s. And maybe my brain couldn't handle the transition out of the bronze and modern age to that, right? Like, (laughs) I was like, meh, wasn't for me. Uh, And that's fine. Uh, So, yeah, sometimes things just aren't for you, right? Yeah. Uh, And and there were some of the 90s books I really liked. Uh, I really loved... uh, I'm totally blanking on it Um, with blank uh, exiles. Okay. Yeah. I had exiles was a fantastic book Mm -hmm. and I thought that's, and the the, the reason I liked exiles, right. Is because it was a new X-Men concept, but it didn't have to be tied to the other X-Men books. So it's just them hopping around the different universes. Right. And that was cool. And I didn't have to read 1700 other X books to, to enjoy that book. Makes sense. And I think that's one of the reasons I really loved it. Uh, so I think that kind of back into your point. But, 
Yeah, I mean, we'll read some more X-Men. I just I hesitate to read more X-Men because it'll just be a conversation like this. We're going to talk for two hours about one book, but not really talk about the book because, I mean, it's freaking X-Men. That's what we've been doing. (laughs) But we can do it. I mean, maybe we should go back and read X-Men number one from 1992, whatever, like and look at the quality of it. I mean, the art's beautiful, but there's lots of butts and boobs. Jim Lee knew how to drew those. Yeah, this is draw true, those. He great. So he drew a lot of. But the story is shit. Yeah, we can. And check. I loved it at the time, but you, I, I can't. You, you go back and read it, and I was like, Why? I don't know. Was it? Was it just because it was exciting? We got to run to the comic shop and get it. I think it was that new. Is the new thing, and everyone that we knew at the time that was into it that's like that's what everyone was talking about so it was like oh okay we it was it's like when a tv show is popular and you're talking about it but it's like the one thing that you and your friends you know like our our six people that we talked with about this stuff but we talked about this before the podcast last time when our mutual friend gave me i won't say her name on the air because i don't know her currently but uh, gave me her her 80s X-Men books and I went yeah. back and read them all in order. I was way more into that than I yeah. was yeah. The, the the stuff that they were releasing right then. Right, right. And I read that and I'm like, oh my God, this is really good. Uh, right. And some people say that stuff is not good. Like I read the Siege Perilous stuff and they're like, that's terrible. I'm like, true, true. But I mean, I can see, but I can it's see like, why. But at the, I mean, at the same time too, I mean, we're, we're on a, debate team competitive forensic speaking uh for high school and so when we would travel and go to other schools yes yes, we were nerds so when we go to other high schools and talk to people if we didn't want to sit there and talk about the things that we're there to compete with compete about and it came down to uh like other current topics and it's like tv shows that we don't like or a comic book that we just read we're going to talk about the comic book we just read and you know Finding the new, yeah. getting that new comic book and being able to talk about that is like, it's like having a lottery ticket. <laughs> We're going to go to to the Spider's Web in Gallup, yeah. Washington, it up. and you know meet Todd McFarlane and find out what he was doing. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it yeah, it does make sense. Um, but overall, I think you know uh, this is this is one you say you read it every year. This is one you should everyone should go back yeah. and read. Yeah, uh, I need to stop talking about it, but go read it. You need to read, read it. it. Uh, it's a great way to see how a superhero team is introduced. It's formulaic in the way that it happens, mm-hmm. and it's still great. It's and, one of those where I can watch uh, the episode of Law and Order and mm-hmm. like the next week because I know the formula and it's fine. And I know mm-hmm. the formula of how super teams are put together, and I can still read this one and be like, okay, yeah, cool. That, that's and they it. did it good. That's exactly why I read it, because it is formulaic um, and, you know, building a team, team building. And I, if you've read anything that I write, it's a lot of team books. How do teams fall together? How do they come together? And how do you build them? And although they're all differently built teams and stuff like that, this is a great way to understand that. And from and they're not superhero teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I, I think the point is Greg's using the superhero team formula to build teams of people, right? You yeah. don't have to. It doesn't have to be superheroes, right? Like you can still yeah. take and learn from the books. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, 
Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I I almost want to save this for later, but I want to make the I'm going to hang this comment and maybe we'll come back to it at another time. All right. But it's almost like I've heard people say, well, you don't really need to read comics to know how to write them. Um. No, you do. You do. That's that's <laughs> baffling. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's that's like saying. Uh, we were taught, Paul and I, the jujitsu lawyer, were talking about uh, War and Peace. Uh-huh. And I've never read War and Peace. And he tried to listen to it. And apparently the the narrator you can't listen to in double speed because he has an English accent. So uh-huh. Paul got frustrated because it's a really long book, right? Yeah. And, you know, I've been told, I guess, you know, War and Peace is supposed to be like the greatest piece of fiction ever written, right? Uh-huh. Or something like that. And the description is like these rich families during the Napoleonic era, like blah, blah, blah. And it's a billion pages long. I don't know. Do I need to go back and read that? I don't know if <laughs> I think I'd rather just read a comic book and get the, get the basics of storytelling there. So, I mean, you could, or you could go and watch shameless. There we go. I love I'm shameless. just joking. I'm just joking. It's <laughs> I love shameless. So there we go. It's a, <laughs> there's your workaround. Yeah, there is the workaround. All right. Well, anyway, I'm just hanging that out there. But I, yeah. I would say so. I'm a bit of a hypocrite there, but I would say I'm a comic historian. So like go back and read some comics, uh, look at some different things and see how it works for you. And uh, if it doesn't work, that's cool, too. And come back and tell us, hey, it doesn't work because of the two panels where uh, the two panels where uh, Cyclops is interacting with Thunderbird. And I can barely look at those now because I think they were inappropriate then, too. So. Mm-hmm. There you go. And maybe it doesn't work for you. So I don't know. All right. Well, let's wrap this one up. Uh, this is a weird one, uh, but we did circle back into some interesting stuff with the book. So cool. And uh, we'll wipe this puppy out and and say goodbye to it. So say goodbye to the podcast, Greg. Bye, podcast. Bye, Greg's book. Absolute zeros. Camp Launchpad, where you will receive an MXPX CD with every hard book copy of the book you buy. And that's it. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everyone.